The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is July 18th. We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers as the nobody believes in us team of the NFL. We're also going to talk about why no trades will happen before the Damian Lillard deal and how that impacts the Milwaukee Bucks. We're also going to talk about Wade Miley's elbow injury. Why can't the Brewers have nice things? Uh, we'll also preview the Brewers Philly series a little bit and we'll ride out on that. Uh, but before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok threads and uh, Facebook. I laugh about threads because that came quick and now there's nothing. Basically, it's Rick Pitino at an Italian restaurant. Uh, also, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify. Uh, we are on those. We're also on Overcast, Google Play, we're Good Pods, wherever else you get your podcast, we should be there. If we're not, let us know. If you're already subscribed, you know the deal. We want you to be dropping this in the group chat. We want you to be telling your friends about this. Uh, there's so many summer activities. People are out doing shit. You should be telling people and spreading the good word of Tabbing the Keg Sports. And we hope to do more things with the community. I will tease that. Something I want to do in the fall. Uh, so more to come there. Uh, but we're going to have some fun. I think there's something that I, I've had an idea for for a while. I think I want to start doing it in the fall. I got to start mapping it out a little bit, but just stay tuned, okay? That's all That's all, That's all. all I'll say. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, uh, and let's get into today's show. And we're talking about a fall sport, and we're talking about football, like I told you we would, with the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are being told to start this base, this football season that they are going to be potentially the worst team in the NFC North, and they're going to have around six wins, if seven wins, excuse me, if you listen to Las Vegas. That is kind of where people have put the Green Bay Packers in terms of the pundits. There are other pundits like the ringers, Ben Solak, who says the Packers could be really bad this year, it was Solak's analysis uh, on a podcast with Bill Simmons probably a month ago. Uh, but if you listen to the Green Bay Packers and you listen to how the Packers are talking, you know, as training camp is getting closer, they feel like they're ready to make some noise in this NFL, in the NFL. Uh, Kenny Clark talked on national radio last week about how this team is disrespected. Aaron Jones didn't make the top 10 in running backs, according to executives. And Aaron Jones said nothing new. I'll, I'll make myself into the top 10. Devondre Campbell wants to show the world who the F he is. Uh, so there is a lot of piss and vinegar right now from this Green Bay Packers team, and they are as connected and united as I think they have ever been. Maybe ever is too strong, right? But it has been a while since I've seen a more connected Green Bay Packer football team. A team that is together all the time in the offseason, a team that was put in the work in California last week, a team that's busting each other's balls on Twitter. Uh, Devondre Campbell, I just started following on Twitter because that guy likes to get off his tweets. I, I've decided that I'm subscribed to Devondre Campbell on the Bird app. Not actually subscribed, but you get my point. I started following him. And Dave Bakhtiar basically was like, yeah, I'm going to call you daddy in uh, training camp. He's like, no grown man should call the other man daddy. And Dave Bakhtiar is like, I'm going to do it in training camp. I'm going to test that theory. And he's like, d you're always playing. Like, that's the type of shit. Like, I just feel like they are a unit, man. And I think it starts with a quarterback. I am more of a Rodgers guy than an anti-Rodgers guy. But I, I still, I believe that there is something to prove with Jordan Love. And they really, truly believe in Jordan Love. I think Kenny Clark was also quoted in that same interview that they want to run through a wall for Jordan, Jordan Love. 
the Green Bay Packers have something to prove this year. And I think there is a real chance that they are the nobody believes in us team in the NFL. Bill Simmons, who I just mentioned, Uncle Bill, as we like to call him on the show, made this popular this term popular in a column in his column days when he was still writing for Page Two and then Grantland and then a little bit of the Ringer. It you know the concept is nobody believes that they are here, but they somehow keep finding a way to win football games. I'd have to look back on old Simmons columns, but I have to believe that the 2001 New England Patriots were part of the genesis of the Nobody Believes in Us team. Now, granted, that has been, you know, molded and changed. I mean, Simmons, to me, is, you know, really the godfather of a lot of things that we do in today's media uh, for sports. So it's not a surprise that this has, you know, been mangled and people use this term all the time. You know, Nobody Believes in Us is not just invented by Bill Simmons, but the idea of the Nobody Believes in Us team has been a very Simmons thing and there always are those teams. There always are the teams that come out of absolutely fucking nowhere to be a 12 and 4 team, to be a, I guess, 13 and 4 team now with the 17 game schedule. But like a team that's been really good. And the Seattle Seahawks certainly fit that mold last year. Nobody thought what the Seahawks could do. And the Seahawks were that nobody believes in us team because everybody wrote off the Seahawks. Everybody's like, oh, Geno Smith thought the, the Seahawks would be drafted in the top five. They ended up drafting in that top five only because the Denver Broncos were bad and they had their first round pick. If not, the Seahawks would have been drafted in the middle. I think they drafted 20th overall. Uh, I can't remember if they traded back or not. But you, you get my point here, right? And I still believe the Packers could be this team because they are a they have the makeup. The Green Bay Packers have the makeup of a very talented team that has some question marks, but if those question marks get answered, they could be awesome. And you could argue their defense has underperformed. You could argue that they want to prove a lot of people wrong, that they have this chip on their shoulder that is a lot bigger than the rest of the NFL. And if you really dive into the rest of the league, you will see that Green Bay could be this team. So I'm going to build a case. Uh, I may tag Bill Simmons in a tweet or two. Might try to see if he, before he goes on full vacation, if I can submit the case for the Green Bay Packers as the nobody believes in this team. Now, I know Bill would probably say that uh, the Packers have a great chance to test his Ewing theory, which is a longer theory about, you know, when a star player leaves, suddenly a team is better. Uh, and you saw that obviously with the Seahawks last year. Could certainly see it with the Green Bay Packers this year. The Ewing theory, I think, is the cousin of the nobody believes in us uh, theory, but not necessarily the same thing. So anyways, the rest of the teams, let's let's go through it. NFC East, New York Giants, no. Philadelphia Eagles, no way. Washington Commanders, nobody believes in the Washington Commanders, but is there really a thought that Sam Howell and this team can set this world, set the team on fire and like that it's going to just be this awesome team that nobody that came out of absolutely nowhere, especially in a very tough NFC East Uh, Cowboys. No way. Uh, NFC North besides Packers, uh, Detroit and Chicago are sexy. I think Minnesota is a fade team. I think Minnesota and the giants are kind of in that same boat where I think a lot of teams will, or a lot of teams, fans will fade them, you know, in terms of how they will do. And and I think everybody is expecting, you know, a step back uh, for the Giants in Minnesota. There could still be a little bit, I guess, of a nobody believes in us in the Giants, but the Giants were a divisional team last year. It's hard to, it's kind of hard to make that case, right? They were in the final eight of the NFC playoffs. All right, let's continue on. 
NFC South, uh, Carolina, maybe with the Bryce Young angle, but also maybe the Bryce Young angle gives people a reason to believe that this Carolina team can make the playoffs or win the division. Uh, they were one game away. They were one really half away from winning the NFC South, which was brutal last year. Uh, Carolina has a really solid defense and a lot of talent on that roster. So I, I would not be surprised at all if Carolina wins the NFC South. I wish we were playing Carolina earlier in the year, but the Packers aren't. Tampa Bay qualifies for sure, but they're going to be bad. Uh, I think Atlanta, people like this team. I don't think uh, there's necessarily nobody believes in the team. I do wonder if there's a nobody believes in us in Desmond Ritter himself, uh, the quarterback. But yeah, I, I don't think Atlanta would make that list. Uh, who New Orleans, I, I think New Orleans is a favorite. So you can't really say being nobody believes in this team when you're, when you're the favorite. NFC West, C- Seattle, the Niners, absolutely not. Uh, same with the Los Angeles Rams and the Cardinals. Sure, they are. Nobody believes in us because they are bad. We shouldn't believe in the Cardinals or the Rams. It's not how it works. Uh, I laugh at the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, or the Miami Dolphins uh, being in that mix, right? Uh, they're all teams that I think pundits are going to pick to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl if they're trying to zag off the Kansas City Chiefs. New England Patriots, I could see Uncle Bill definitely using his own team. Uh, because they have a very good defense. Mac Jones is a real offensive coordinator, which means that maybe the Patriots can be better than than people expect. I do feel this is a critical year, weirdly, for Bill Belichick. I think there, if the Patriots start slow, I think there will be legitimate conversations on the first takes and undisputes of the world that Bill Belichick's on the hot seat. I think you'll see that happening. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, I think you could definitely make a case uh, because they are a very talented team. And I think they have a shot to be a sneaky, you know, top of the table AFC North team. Pittsburgh Steelers also, I think, fit that. Steelers are the AFC cousin to the Green Bay Packers, where they are a, you know, very talented younger team that has a lot of, you know, potential guys. And if it breaks the right way, the Steelers could be special. Um, and Mike Tomlin is, you know, arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL. I, I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again here. I think Packers and Steelers will get flexed to a primetime slot uh, when it's all said and done. It's a noon game right now. I guarantee you that thing gets flexed uh, in middle of November. Just remember where you heard it here first. AFC South, uh, I feel like there's nobody there. Maybe Tennessee, right? Because But every year, nobody believes in Tennessee, and then they're good. Because Mike Vrabel is an awesome coach. Uh, Vrabel's right there with Tomlin, Belichick, and others where you're like, oh, yeah, they're a top coach. Although I, Belichick's like a legacy top five, but I think like in the moment top five coach. I don't know if I put Bel- Bill Belichick there. I, that might be spicy. Uh, AFC West, nobody. Uh, maybe you could say Denver, but, I mean, Sean Payton was, is expected to win games there. Vegas is a mess. Um, and so, yeah, that leaves us with the Green Bay Packers. And that is why I really I really think that the Packers have the, the look. They have the feel of it. And I, I saw a – I think it was a draft guy who said by October 1st, we're going to have real conversations about Jordan Love being in the MVP conversation. There are some people that are so fucking high on Jordan Love. Now, it scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, right? There's the other part of it where everybody is has this chip on their shoulder, but is the chip on their shoulder going to pull them down? Are they going to keep thinking about the disrespect instead of just playing fucking football? Is, the, is, is there a part of that where the Packers, you know, at some point it's like, all right, guys, we get it, right? We, we get that you're upset. We get that you're frustrated. 
Or is it just, you know, jaw jacking in the summer because everybody's bored. Everybody's ready to play football. Everybody's ready to get back out there. And once the, the pads start popping, there's going to be less discussion about, hey, we're disrespected or we, we feel like we're under the radar. But the Packers have a lot of personalities on this football team. And I think that makes them fun. I think that makes them, you know, it makes it exciting. They're not all robots. Um, I, I always have to probably remind that of Packer fans more than any of the other fan bases that it's okay for these guys to show personality. I don't mind that if they continue to talk about how disrespected they are, I just don't want them to think that they've accomplished anything, right? Like just because you're disrespected doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be hand wins. But I, I do think there is a real world where the Green Packers will have an early buy, but they could start four and one and the Jets could be two and four. And all of a sudden it's a huge Jordan Love extravaganza and talking about how right the Packers were that they did this. I can see that happening. Now, can I see the inverse where the Jets are five and one, the Packers are are you know two and three heading into their bye? Yeah, for sure, possibly. Um, it, anything's possible, really. It's probably more realistic, honestly. Uh, but I, I still I still have a lot of faith in this team. I, I think they know what they're doing here in Green Bay. I am, and maybe that makes me a bootlicker. Maybe that makes me you know sort of just trusting the process a little bit too much, but. I'm all in on this. I, I've become more and more all in on what the Packers are just with the consistent comments of like, this team has something to prove and you can see it and you can feel it and you know it. And they, it would not surprise me in the slightest the Packers went like 38 to 14 against the Chicago Bears week one. Would not at all. Because I, I just think there is a, that would be laying your dick on the table. That would be going full Lyndon B. Johnson and dropping your cock on a table. Because that's what that would look like. And everybody would freak out. And for good reason, we'd probably have to all rein ourselves in. I'd, I would need like a hold me back through, like, you know, after a major dunk uh, for a college game or something like that. But still, uh, it would not, that wouldn't surprise me. It would, it would definitely surprise me if they got blown out. Uh, but that could happen, right? We don't know. There is an unpredictable nature of this Packer season. And that's what makes it so exciting. Uh, and I, I think just to be, you know, in this underdog role is something we haven't done in a long fucking time. We did it in 2008, but in 2008, remember, they were coming off an NFC championship, you know, win, right? Or a loss, excuse me. I wish it was a win, but they came off an NFC championship loss. Uh, it was a little bit different with the crazy Rodgers summer. And instead of it being just Aaron Rodgers all the time, who knows? If, had, if Brett Favre had been traded in that offseason and never retired and it was Aaron Rodgers from the get-go, would that have changed that entire 2008 season? I don't know. I think that would be obviously a great question for Pat McAfee to ask Aaron Rodgers. Like, if you had that full year, would you have been more successful? I don't know. That defense was really bad. And that's also the other difference of 2008 versus 2023. This defense has struggled, but they have a ton of talent. They should be way better than they are. And there's, there's a case that the Packers come out of here on top and then it's December, it's January and the pundits, the Bill Simmons of the world, the you know first takes of the world, the get ups of the world are wondering how are the Packers here? It's, it, it's, going, to, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to be finding a lot of receipts come December and January. Moving on to basketball. I don't know how much basketball we are going to talk uh, down the stretch here. I know I have a 
kind of an evergreen topic for Mitch and I uh, later this week uh, that you can stay tuned for. Uh, so we will have a little bit of basketball talk, but it's going to get pretty quiet. And the reason why it's going to get pretty quiet here is because nothing's really going to happen until the Damian Lillard deal goes down. Now, I know uh, Damian Lillard stuff has been just dragged out because we are desperate for NBA content. We will get any crumb of NBA content that is currently available. And so if Dame Lillard sends a tweet out, that's at least a topic on first take. Uh, but I really don't think the Milwaukee Bucks will make their move on their 15th guy for a while. I think there needs to be a Dame move first. And until we get a Dame move, I don't think you're going to see anything from Milwaukee Bucks and frankly, really any other team in the NBA. I think this is a, first of all, it's a probably a reset couple of weeks here after summer league, right? And it's kind of the downtime in the NBA before you start getting back to business. Now, some guys might just keep working and whatnot, but you got to think that with a high stress job like the NBA is, that you're going to want to take a couple weeks in Cancun or Aruba or somewhere else. Everyone's going to fucking Italy these days. So maybe there's people going to Italy and, and then just taking some time away. And then once it gets to August, then you start seeing some nut crunching. You start seeing some moves being made. Um, and I, I could be wrong about this, right? I, you could see a little trade tomorrow and this topic entirely blows up in my face. Uh, but uh, it, it seems like Portland's holding the line. Now, Dan Levitard, who is a Miami Heat fan, uh, so he's about as biased as I am with, with Wisconsin sports teams, uh, ripped Adrian Wojnarowski, which I'm not going to hate. That's a very Larry David sort of like, you know, the gift for Larry David, like, ah, kind of, yeah, whatever, uh, for basically helping out Portland. Uh, who knows if that's true, but I really do think a third team needs to get involved. I think, first of all, the NBA, uh, in terms of Adam Silver, would come down on the deal. I wonder if they wouldn't allow the deal to happen. Remember, they stopped the Bogdan Bajanovic trade to the Milwaukee Bucks because you know they felt like there was tampering going on. And I would wonder with the in persistence from Lillard, would Adam Silver step in? And I, I, I don't know, maybe not because Miami is this huge media market and getting Dame to Miami would be a big deal in terms of selling, you know, that's A, that stadium, as well as the heat being on prime time and that being good visibility for ABC and ESPN. But who knows? We have a long way to go if the literature just happens for the Heat and the Blazers. And then there lies the Bucks, who need a backup point guard. And that's likely where the 15th spot's going. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it'll be for Thanasis Sansa and they'll take care of that, and then the deed is done. I'm not too sure if Thanasis is coming back. Now, Thanasis not coming back would be a... Shocker, I think, for for just Bucks fans in general because of just his energy, his effort, and loyalty towards Giannis Antetokounmpo. I still think Thanasis can hold a roster spot. I do think some team would try to get crafty and put Thanasis on their bench, whether it's a New York Knicks or it's a Los Angeles Clip, uh, Lakers, excuse me, but I can see the Clippers doing it too. It's just any team to sort of give this like little head nod to, to, to Giannis, if you will, and sure that the national media would freak the fuck out over. But the the Milwaukee Bucks need a point guard, and they need somebody like a Colin Sexton, like a Emmanuel Quickly, like a Markel Fultz, like a Kevin Porter. Uh, all could be available. I think Quickly out of those four, probably the less likely to be available, but the move's not happening without Dame because it, 
who knows what that third team is? That they could, you know, Markel Fultz could be part of the Dame deal. Uh, Kevin Porter could be part of the Dame deal. Quickly could be part of the Dame. Sexton could be like, you just never know with these teams where you're like, well, what do you like? Well, what would make you happy? Well, uh, point guard would make us happy. Not that Portland needs more guards, probably more a forward, but you get my point, right? Or Miami saying, well, we need a guard. You guys aren't really going to give us you know, another guard. We need a backup for Dame because we're giving, getting rid of Lowry and we're getting a hero. We need another guard. Do you guys have another guard? No, we don't have another guard. Let's talk to Cleveland. Let's talk to Houston. I'm just throwing names out. But you get my point that the Dame Lillard deal has to happen before other deals can happen. And we're just going to now be in this holding pattern in the NBA for the next couple of weeks until you see a Dame deal. Now, the Embiid stuff will pick up noise if you missed it. Joel Embiid basically told Philadelphia that he's like, well, uh, here in Philadelphia or anywhere else when it comes to winning a championship, which was a big bat signal that Embiid has put Philadelphia on the clock. Uh, So all this clock talk about Giannis last week was really about Joel Embiid. Um, And it's what we said. Uh, We talked about that, which you're going to listen to uh, for Thursday's show. Now, could the Bucks say fuck it and get involved in the Dame Lillard business? Potentially, but they need a third team involved. They would be really messy. I highly doubt that the Bucks find themselves involved in a Dame Lillard deal. That would floor me. If they ended up swooping in from Miami to get Dame Lillard, I'd be floored. I'd also not be the biggest fan of it. Uh, I've been on record that Dame's contract scares the living shit out of me. And so I that that part I, I am scared about. I do think the combination of Dame and Giannis does work itself pretty well. And I we talked a little bit about Colin Coward's take on that. I think a couple weeks ago, Coward was really good, which I know sometimes people don't like Coward, but he, he had a really good take about how Damon Giannis fit what better than Jimmy Butler and Dame Lillard. Uh, could a team you know bypass the Dame deal and just say, we want to get this deal done. We want to kind of figure out a roster. And, and maybe there is almost a desperation where you could get maybe a little bit of better value. Yeah, potentially, uh, but I, I highly doubt it. I, I really, I really will could see this being very quiet NBA wise until until a move gets made. So we'll have to see what happens, uh, and it'll be very interesting. But it appears that the NBA is going night night for a little while. I also would like to get in front of it that I've probably jinxed it here. <laughs> I am such a dumb motherfucker sometimes. I, I probably jinxed this whole thing and we're going to have like an NBA deal go down. The Bucks are going to be involved and I'm going to have to get on the podcast tomorrow and do an emergency podcast. So that'll be what will happen. Anyways, uh, let's get off the NBA and talk about Major League Baseball. I had a had a fun uh, little topic about the Brewers and Otani and setting expectations for ourselves and why you know the media kind of forces us to think that everybody can trade for everybody. Uh, but I, but then again, I'm also the same guy who made a joke after Otani's game tying home run today. I was like, oh, it's gonna be awesome when he does that at Miller Park. I uh, said American Family Field. I do that so much on the podcast. I, I can't help myself. I, I do it once a podcast, I think. I think if you had a drinking game and you were like, all right, I'm going to take a shot every time Charlie says Miller Park instead of American Family Field, I think you'd be fucking, nah, not, let's say you're drunk. There's some podcasts where it's really bad. But usually after I do the first one, I'm like, American Family Field, American Family Field. It's just 
Another part rolls off the tongue. So nice. Uh, I wasn't one of those people that got weird about it getting renamed. I'm like, well, you're getting mad about a fucking corporate sponsor. Uh, but then again, you know, people boycott, boycott things all the time and get mad about things all the time. So I don't know. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, the Otani thing, I'll, I'll either talk about it with Mitch tomorrow on a Thursday show or I'll bring it in to Friday because I, I think it's an interesting discussion. But we're not here to talk about that. Fortunately, we have bad news. We're here to talk about Wade Miley. Wade Miley goes on a DL with elbow discomfort. That is never a good sign. I uh, never want elbow, shoulder, forearm injuries when it comes to pitchers. I uh, really hope that it's just he has a sore elbow and that it's nothing more than that. I actually think it's his right elbow, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, I think it is his left elbow. If it's right elbow, I actually feel okay about it. Like maybe just something something bad happened or he, you know, slept on it the wrong way and, you know, it screwed up his elbow. I mean, the Brewers are addicted to just getting hurt this season. Like they can't stay healthy. It's been a real bummer. Oh, it's left elbow. So yeah, no, that is not good. That is not good at all uh, for Wade Miley to have a left elbow injury because uh, that, that's, you know, it could be just, yeah, he has a sore elbow or it could be something more serious that puts him on the DL for a long time. So there's two ways that this could go for Wade Miley and where I would be happy with it and where I'd be somewhat furious. I'm not, uh, maybe not furious. Furious is a little strong, but I, I would be pretty upset if they go in one direction and maybe the direction that we think they're going in. Uh, they have a decision to make this morning, so you probably have the decision when you're listening to this podcast between Jason Alexander or Robert Gasol. Uh, and let's just break down the two you know, straight up here and w- both scenarios. Jason Alexander was the Colin Ray of last year, right? Kind of came out of nowhere. No one knew who this guy was. And he had a couple good starts. He had that memorable Cubs start early on, but he was much worse than Colin Ray. I don't know what they see in Alexander to think that this year will go differently. I also don't know how I feel about a Jason Alexander, Colin Ray rotation. I don't want to see two of those guys every five games and expect to contend for an NL Central spot. I just do not think Jason Alexander is a big league picture. And I I think the Brewers have better options. And I'd be very disappointed if that's the direction they go. Now, if, if they go in that direction, will I eat my, you know, eat my words and, and deal with it? Uh, sure, but I've just never felt confident in the guy. And I feel like they're putting themselves at a disadvantage. I feel like they are, you know, basically sacrificing a loss every every five games every five games. And I know that could be loser mentality, right? Not every five games you're gonna be bad as a as a team. But yeah, I'm not a Jason Alexander guy at all. Robert Gasser, if the schedule was better, would be ideal, right? He showed his ability to limit walks. He's getting closer and closer to seem big league ready. Uh, Adam McCalvey made a case for Gasser, I think back in May, May or June it was, when the Brewers were really having a lot of injury issues and just said the traditional Brewer path has been, you know, these guys as starters, they start in the bullpen, right? And then they move into the into the rotation. Now, would they try to do that with Gasser and try to figure out, you know, sort of an opener uh, sort of scenario, whether it be like Holy Milner or I'm trying to think of other guys that could be openers. Trying, who else is that? Bryce Wilson, I guess, would be another one who's a former starter. You know, maybe it's a Bryce Wilson, right? And then you give way to to Gasser in the second inning or third inning to kind of quench some of the nerves. The only thing I worry about right now is if Gasser does, in fact, pitch, 
he would have to deal with Philadelphia's lineup and then he'd have to deal with Cincinnati's lineup, right? And those are two really tough lineups. Now, I think he the third start would be against Atlanta if I'm playing this out. That would be tough, but at least at that point, you've had two starts under your belt. You've played on the road in Philadelphia. You've played in front of the home crowd at American Family Field. But I, I just worry about his confidence taking a hit. Like, if the Brewers are playing the Nationals, Pirates, and Guardians in the next three weeks, and then I'd be like, well, I think there's a really good case that you bring Gasser up because he's not being exposed to some of the toughest lineups in baseball. And having to face the Phillies and Reds, who are both pretty solid offensively, is not exactly an ideal way to start a career. So... I still think, though, that Gasser is the right answer just because Jason Alexander gives you nothing. I just don't think Jason Alexander is a winning baseball player. And I would be very against that idea. I think Jansen Junk could give it another go, right, and see what Jansen Junk is made of. Um, But again, I think Gasser is the answer here. And I, I really hope the Brewers make that move. And I hope that they decides they're not fucking around. They showed it with Abner Uribe, right? Who's up. Now he really hasn't got in, you know, since, you know, pitching those two games on Saturday. But, you know, would Uribe, if they've already shown sort of the balls to do it with Uribe, Uribe, would they show the same sort of balls with Robert Gasser? We'll just have to see. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a definite bummer though. I mean, Wade Miley has been so good for this team all season and to lose out on him for at least two weeks with a really tough schedule is a super big bummer. Speaking of that tough schedule, it gets kicked off tonight. Uh, quick preview here of the Brewers and the Phillies. Uh, Julio Tehran against Aaron Nola. Very big start for Julio Tehran for a variety of reasons. Got hit really hard in his last two starts. I feel like he is on his last gasp of the starting spot. Now, if you were to tell me that Jason Alexander came up for Julio Tehran who got DFA'd, I'd say you might as well try try another option. I Again, I wouldn't be happy about it, but if Tehran has lost it, he's lost it. Now, the critics could say, well, Tehran got hit hard against the Cubs, but he was able to still pitch six innings. Like he got hit really hard early on and then settled in. So whatever happened in that game, you know, it seems like there's a little more ambushing going on. You know, teams are kind of figuring out this new version of Julio Tehran. So hopefully Tehran can kind of right the ship uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, that would be a great way to set the tone in these next next two weeks that the Brewers have. And Aaron Ola has been all right this year. Uh, 439 ERA, actually not been that great. A 439 ERA has been sort of suspect at best. Nola's kind of been very up and down uh, his last five starts. He had three starts where he's given up four runs and then two starts where he gave up zero or one run. Uh, and unfortunately, he is on one where he's going to give up no runs or zero runs. So we'll we'll have to see. Uh, and we'll have to see what the Brewers can do against Nola, who, again, not having as good of a year as expected. Then you have Gasser or Alexander uh, versus Christopher Sanchez on Wednesday night. Uh, Sanchez is a big prospect, finally kind of stepping it up. He's been really good for Philadelphia. Part of the reason why the Phillies have kind of turned themselves around. The Brewers uh, have not been as scared against lefties 
Uh, recently, they're four and one in their last five against left-handed starters. So hopefully they can keep that up. It seems like they've kind of had a good thing going against the left-handed pitchers. Uh, it not doesn't feel like a death sentence anymore for the Milwaukee Brewers. And then lastly, uh, Corbin Burns against Tywin Walker. Uh, that should be a lot of fun on Thursday afternoon. I mentioned uh, that the Brewers are on Thursday afternoon as well as the Open Championship. That is a great elite work from home day. So if you are a hybrid worker, like you, you have three days on, two days off, I would certainly recommend uh, taking Thursday as a work from home day. That it, that just two screens going, you got baseball, you got golf, uh, and you just do a little work and then, you, then you're good to go. So yeah, but that's not gonna be an easy one either for the Brewers. Uh, Burns obviously trying to keep up his hot pitching, but Tyron Walker's been really solid of late. So it's gonna be a really tough series. Uh, this is not, it's not gonna be an easy one. I, like, as I was writing this out in my show notes, I was like, fuck man, this, we gotta, maybe, maybe we can win tomorrow. If we just win Tuesday, I think I'm gonna be okay. Like, I think if we, you know, whatever happens, you know, with whoever pitches on Wednesday and then Burns on Thursday, I feel good about Burns on Thursday, but that could be a 2-1 game. Like that, it's going to come down the wire. And as I mentioned on yesterday's show, I just feel like we never play well in Citizens Bank Park. So maybe maybe the tides turn uh, this, week, this week. We'll have to see. All right, that pretty much does it for the show. Uh, it's an early uh, early show exit. We I can't remember last time we had a like 30 minute show, but got you know everything we needed to, which is okay. Uh, I mean, we could do a little Chuck's Corner since I have some time. Uh, obviously getting myself back to uh, normal after a brutal stretch of drinking for your boy. I mentioned, you know, obviously I was at a bachelor party, but I kind of did the math and I really went hard in the paint for five times in eight days or nine days. And I was like, holy shit. That, that's one of those where once you do it, it's like, okay, we're going to rein it in at least a week, maybe two, like brace your days in like two weeks or brew fest, whatever you may want to do. And I'm like, do I even want to do that? Like I'm my, I'm home alone. My wife's not, not here that weekend. And I'm like, do I just want to hang out with the dog? Like, I'm, I don't know, man. It's good. I, the battery is at full E and just needs to be juiced up when it comes to social activity. Uh, so yeah, it's, that's something else. Uh, I hopefully will not put myself in that situation uh, going forward, but you know, it happens, right? Sometimes your social calendar fills up. Uh, I also learned on the bachelor party, we didn't talk about this, but I am, I'm bad with boats. Like I'm just, I love boats. Like I have a good time on boat. I have no problem with boats, but I just in a lake have no idea what I'm doing out there. Like I, I jumped in and was like, you know, I was kind of flapping around a little bit and just was a, and then I thought the boat would sink because Mitch and I were on it. And then a couple other guys were on the other side of the boat. And I was like, is this boat going to tip? And they're like, this boat is not, like my buddies were just laughing at me, just absolutely busting my balls. And I just, man, need to spend more time. Like this goes back to, I just don't have any friends who have lake houses or I have friends who have lake house access and I just don't get invited. Um, and I feel like this is a case for, I need to just be a little smarter uh, with water sport activities. And you guys are probably laughing at me being like, why would you tell me this? It's because self-deprecation is something I do on this podcast. And I, I wouldn't say I like to get laughed at, but you know, if I get bust, my balls busted a little bit on, on the group chat, that's okay. That's all right. It means you're listening. It means you love me. 
And and I know and if you, if I'm laughing about it and I'm annoyed by it or just like whatever, I'm sure you guys will take joy in my self-deprecation. So there you have it. All right, that does it. Enough bullshitting. Uh, we'll be back to, no Thursday with Mitch. Mitch and I doing Tabby the Keg, uh, five fourteen, and then we'll be back Friday uh, solo. And then yeah, well that'll be the rest of the week. So enjoy your Tuesday. Uh, hopefully you also have a good Wednesday. And we'll be back with you on Thursday unless something crazy happens. But you never know. Something always could crazy could happen. Brewers make a trade or the Bucks make a trade. We will be there tomorrow. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.